Boy, do we got a special episode for you Jets fans, and it's an interview with new Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, a key piece in the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers. Hackett will join Kaz and I next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Gangs All Here on New York Jets Podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here with Brian Costello. You're probably wondering why we were back. We just did our draft recap. Why are we doing another episode? Well, we have a special guest in the building today joining us now in his first season as the Jets offensive coordinator. He's been the OC for the Bills, Jaguars, Packers, of course, coached the Broncos last season and deserves the title of Aaron Rodgers, key recruiter as well. Add that to his LinkedIn resume. Let's give a warm Jets welcome and gangs all here. Welcome to Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel, Nate. I like Nate. New Yorkers, we short everything. Even if it's a four-letter name, we short it. Uh, So we're glad to have you on the show and welcome to New York. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I got to start with the facial hair. What is going on? What made you do it? Is your wife approve of it? What's going on? Uh, you, you know, I just haven't, uh, shaved it in a really long time, figured, uh, change it up. Life has uh, a lot of mysteries. I wanted to see how far I could grow it. Uh, wife and daughters despise it and hate it. So it's probably coming off here the next day when I go back home to visit the family. But, uh, it definitely hung in there for quite a while, but, but the wife definitely doesn't like, it. uh, you've been living the bachelor life in New Jersey with the family. Uh, oh, okay. So that'll end soon. Kind of my disguise, you know, people don't even know <laughs> Nathaniel, take take us back to January, and you know I, I'm guessing you probably heard from Salah or from your agent that that the Jets were interested, and you know I think it's been well documented. You could have sat on a beach for a few years and collected some checks from Denver and and not coached. But what was your reaction initially, and, and just kind of take us through that process of, of getting this job? Yeah, it was a uh, it was a very unique process. I think that none of us had a, thought we were going to be uh, kind of going through another decision process that fast. Uh, but it really started with my family. You know, we, we were all sitting around my, my four kids, my wife, trying to figure out what we wanted to do next, what the next adventure would be, um, whether we were going to stay in Denver and be around um, and, uh, you know, whether or not we were going to move. And I think in the end, it was about family. I think that was a starting point before I even kind of listened to other people or uh, thoughts, ideas, what the role would be. And uh, we decided because I've got some older kids, you know, we didn't want to move them around a bunch because if I did take a year off and then got back into it, my kids would have been longer into high school. Um, so for me, it was about trying to get people settled and uh, get the family into some uh, high school and try to stay there and get my kids through high school. And so we finally decided we knew we were going to leave Denver at some point. So, OK, let's let's now look into all these different opportunities and see what the best one is for us as a family. And uh, through all the things that we talked about, um, there were so many uh, unbelievable opportunities and great people that I had a chance to work with. But to be able to be a, in a place like New Jersey, uh, a place that my dad had coached, actually being closer to my family, uh, my, my father and my brother and stuff, we, uh, we felt like this was a great opportunity. I mean, there were there are great schools here in New Jersey for my kids. And again, it was, it was primarily the family. They were actually, I, I let them pick almost. I was like, well, okay, guys, what makes you the most excited? And when they saw the schools, when they saw the sports, all those different things compared to everything else, it was just something, it was a, it was a simple decision. And then you add on the fact that I knew Robert, I knew Aaron White Cotton, Rudy Rutenberg, 
uh, Ron Middleton, guys I had worked with. There were just so many positives there on that. And like I had said, the experience my dad had had here uh, in the early 2000s, um, it just it started feeling right. As, as soon as we as a family decided, we thought it was a good thing to get back to work. You and Coach Salas family, that's what, 10 kids combined. I, I imagine those dinners get interesting, right? 10 kids and the wives and everyone. Have you guys had a dinner with all the kids yet? And you remember all their names? <laughs> don't definitely don't. I barely know my own kids' names. Um, but uh, but no, we we haven't gotten everybody together. I'm still my kids finished the school out there in uh, in Denver. Um, they were in so many different activities. We didn't want to pull them out of those things. We wanted them as a family. We thought that was the best way to do it. So I have been here living the bachelor life. Some kids have been coming out to see me every now and then to check the scene out. Uh, but besides that, uh, they're coming out here pretty soon. I'm excited about it. You mentioned your dad, Paul, and, you know, that dynamic. And he, you know, he saw the winning here. He three years out of four years, they made the playoffs. And that's a big deal in Jetsland. Was that communicated going in? And once you got the job and now are in the job, have you talked with him like, dad, I want to finish this job that you did 20 years ago. I want to win a division. I want to win a championship in New York. It was definitely something we talked about. You know, as a, as a family, we've done some really good things here in New York, working at Syracuse. All my kids were born in, in the state of New York. I had two in Buffalo, two in Syracuse. So they love New York. The fact that my dad did have some great success with Chad Pennington, Curtis Martin, Kevin Mawai, Lavernius Cole, Santana Moss, like all those guys. I mean, it, it was such a great time for my family, especially when I was just starting coaching. I would come uh, to Hofstra and try to learn from my dad and you know, he always reminds me last time the division was one was when he was the coordinator. So he always likes to mention that, um, which is great because it gives me a challenge to be able to help this team get get there. And um, so I think those are things we all we definitely talked about. And uh, my dad and I talk a whole bunch. He's you know one of my mentors uh, on just how to coach the game, how to coach football. And uh, so it, it just makes it even sweeter um, to come to a place that I know he really loved. My mom loved being uh, there in Long Island. And uh, it's funny, he came out and visited us and he was just in awe. He's shocked. He's like, this is a lot different. Than Austria. Austria. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, completely different. So it, it's all, it's all been great and definitely talked about. Yes, it's a, it's a long way from uh, from the, the Hofstra days. As a Hofstra grad, I can I can attest. Class of 2013, you know, the dorms, it's it's could get kind of a dump over there. So I know it's a lot better of a situation now. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny. The first time I walked into the, this facility, uh, we were actually, it was in 2010. I think it had only been open for a, a very s- small amount of time. And um, we got to practice here when I was at Syracuse. We played in the inaugural game of the Pinstripe Bowl. And we won that game and we beat K-State. And I remember walking into the building and just seeing it for the first time. And I was just, I was blown away. The indoor facility, everything. And uh, so it's kind of cool to see it kind of coming full circle, actually being able to practice and work out of this building. You talk about your your father's success here with the Jets, Nathaniel, and but you know he he got criticized hard. Like Jake is a young man. I I remember those days, and I remember your dad taking a lot of criticism. It's amazing when you look back at it now, when you look at the stats that Curtis put up with him and and the success that they had. How do you deal with that? You know, you you grew up around it with your father. And as I feel like offensive coordinators, it's a, I always feel like they are the ones who take the brunt of it. Or a play caller. If you're a head coach and you're a play caller, same thing. Everyone thinks they can call offensive plays. I don't know if it's Madden or what. Like, I go to my kids, my you know, my son's 13. I've been going to his games since he was 10. And I sit there and I marvel at all these guys in the stands who are like, why is he calling that play? Why is he calling that play? And then defense comes and they say nothing. 
<laughs> it's the player's fault on defense. It's always the coach's fault on offense. How do you kind of, I mean, you grew up around it and, and you know, I'm sure you've dealt with it enough in your career. How do you kind of handle that as an offensive coordinator? I love it. I mean, that, that's the, that's how the game is. I mean, when you sign up for this as a coach, you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, I think that's the beauty of our game. Everybody wants more. And uh, I will tell you, nobody wants more than the offensive coordinator. Uh, even when the fans do like the play calls, we probably want more or we wanted to score. We wanted a more explosive play. Um, I think we put more pressure on ourselves than anybody as a coordinator, as a play caller, anybody. Uh, but, so it, it just kind of comes with the job. I mean, my dad had it my whole life growing up. I was kind of built for it. You, know, you, you keep taking the punches, but those punches make you stronger and you learn more through every single thing that you do. Um, I know my dad took a lot of heat and uh, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. And you see that after all these years that have gone by, the good that he actually did. And it might have taken a while for people to notice. But, um, I mean, heck, there were a lot of a lot of good football games. I mean, and he reminds me about them uh, quite a bit. Um, but I think that uh, that's – I really look at – that's just the beauty of the game. That's why it's so popular. That's why everybody loves it. I mean, everybody wants to win. Everybody thinks everybody has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I, we all do. That's why we do this. I mean, anything can happen in this game. That, that is truly why it's the best game in the world. And it drives me as a coach. Uh, it drives all of our coaches, all of our players, because we all want to be great. We all want those plays. We never call a play ever and expect it not to work. We're all trying to do every single thing and work day in and day out to try to get the best plays. And uh, the reality of it is sometimes it doesn't work. And I think when you come to that conclusion that there's only so many things that a coach can control, you do your best to prepare. You do your best to put the guys in those situations. As long as those guys know that you're doing it for them, it's about how that locker room responds to you. It's about how those guys feel. If they know that you're doing things to help them, to make them successful, then that's what I'm looking for. Because in the end, not everybody's going to be happy. Even if you score 48 touchdowns at, 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 when I was at uh, Green Bay with Aaron. I mean, he threw 48 touchdowns. Hey, in the end, we didn't go to the Super Bowl. We didn't win it. And so we were upset. Only one team's happy at the end of the year and only one fan base is happy at the end of the year. And, but that's again, why this is so great. I mean, it's so difficult. It's so hard. There's so many things that go into it. And that's why I love the challenge every day. Yeah. And you've mentioned, you know, three out of four years, you make the playoffs. Now with the jets, you get a free drink at any bar in New York city and you got a statue outside, you know, one jets drive, right? Jake, I'm trying to calculate how many years it would take to add up to 48 touchdowns that I've seen with the jets a decade, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of futility here and that's why we're excited for you. We're excited for a rod, you know, a lot of him, Lazard, they talk about you. Who is Nathaniel Hackett? Like, tell us about you. Like, are you a whiskey drinker, a beer drinker? What kind of guy are you? Are you seem like, a fiery guy that I want to have a beer with, but tell us who you are and you know, the, who the Jets fans who don't know you. Uh, well, when, when it comes to a beverage, I love wine. I, I've become a, a big wine drinker. Um, I love it. I respect it. I, I give so much credit to all those farmers out there that make those, those beautiful uh, liquids. Um, and then, uh, but, but I'll tell you for me, it's, you know, I have fun every day. You know, I know how lucky I am to have a, this opportunity to any opportunity anywhere in the NFL. It's it's an unbelievable profession. Uh, it's not a great business, uh, unfortunately, but um, but it is a great profession. And to be able to work with those guys every day, I mean, I, I go in there and it's about trying to spice things up, get guys excited about uh, different plays and let those things be created on the screen when we're installing them or showing the tape and then going out and uh, watching them be successful in those plays is, is what we live for. And I think I, I try to um, show that energy, show that excitement. 
um, just because that's who I am and what I love to do. I think that's, I mean, in the end, we're teachers. And I think that uh, as a teacher, you have to be motivated to watch the people that you teach become great. And uh, that's what we do. And, and that's kind of how I go about my every day. And Nathaniel, obviously with Aaron, fans are very, very excited. There's there's players, special players you come across, you know, as you watch, like, you know, since, I, since I've been around the Jets, like watching Revis practice will always stand out in my mind because it, it looked different. Guys like Brandon Marshall look different. What is it when you're around Aaron that kind of makes him different? Um, in the meeting rooms and the practice fields. Uh, We see what happens on Sundays, but you behind the scenes, what kind of makes him uh, special? There really are so many things with Aaron. I mean, mean, he is a special player, special human being. Uh, There's not one thing that you can just say specifically about him. I think that's why he is at the level that he's at is because of his competitive drive, because how he is as a leader, how he is with the team. Um, There's so many different things for me as a coach, just if I took out the fact of him as a human being, which I think is the reason why I love him so much is just as a man, he's so amazing and how he treats people, how he talks with them, how he cares about people is amazing. But when it comes to the football aspect of it, it's, it's like he plays in slow motion because he sees so much. He understands the spatial awareness of the game and all the different ways that defenses play. And, and he starts it right out the gate in practice. You know, just on the different, it's not just run a route on air, it's visualizing it. And when he's coaching and talking and putting the guys in the game, it's it's something that I've never, never seen enough. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, it's not just, hey, uh, catch the ball and run, it's tuck it. You know, every single little intricate detail that a coach would say comes from Aaron because he's done this so long and he's like another coach on the field. And he wants to become one with those guys wherever, you know, when I was with him at Green Bay and just even seeing at the limited time here in New York, I I mean, he truly puts himself in the game. He tries to get the guys into the game. So every rep matters. Every rep is like we're in MetLife and it's a critical playoff game. Um, So I think that's something that he does such a great job at. It's, It's his intensity, but also his compassion to the guys and understanding and getting to know them as a human being, which I think really makes him uh, just a couple of the reasons what, what, that make him special. Also, he can throw the ball really, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps. That definitely helps. You know, you kind of have been attached to him and you've kind of become like a celebrity figure being attached to a celebrity on the back page of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. You, in, you know, here at the New York Post, you know, we'll see him on the back page, hopefully all year for good things. And like, do you enjoy that attachment? Do you enjoy kind of being an offensive coordinator? That's kind of a celebrity as well. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just a football coach. Uh, I, I love doing what I'm doing. I love working with the guys, not just Aaron, but all the guys. I mean, I mean, it's it's an honor to be able to coach this game. And um, yes, I do know Aaron. Yes, I have worked with him a, for a couple of years. Um, he is somebody that that I I care for, whether we were together or not. You know, right now um, we would we would be close. And um, so, I mean, celebrity. I mean, hey, I, I just I just like going about my business and hanging out with my friends and my family. That that's all that really matters to me. During, during that, I think the Jets had permission for like a week, Nathaniel, right, to talk to Aaron in March. That's when you guys went out to California and all that stuff. Been, I just wrote a big story about it. It's been well documented. But what did you feel like your role was in that week in terms of you're the guy You're the guy that's the link, that that knows both sides, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like Aaron's going to ask questions of Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson and Robert Sala, but you're the guy he trusts and he's known and vice versa, you know, you know, Aaron better than, than any of those guys do. How'd you kind of handle that time period and, and just kind of, what was your role you felt like there? 
it was just really having Aaron get to know everybody else. Uh, Aaron knows me. He knows how I work. He knows uh, how I am in the meetings, how I am on game days. I mean, he knows just, uh, we know everything about each other. I know him, he knows me. And um, so I think it was more just being there almost like a facilitator, just making sure that everybody's questions were asked and asked and answered. And uh, so that we can be with that short period of time, come to a consensus on what was best for the organization and for Aaron. Uh, I think that was so important to me was it, it didn't have anything to do with me. It had to do with Aaron and this organization. And in the end, that, that, that that's it. I mean, it, it's how Aaron fits. If they fit with him, if they don't, um, I, I just wanted all those things to be answered for him and for us as the Jets. You know, a lot of people talked about Aaron and bringing his old guys. And, you know, you're involved in this too with Alan Lazard, with Randall Cobb, with Tim Boyle, and now offense, uh, offensive tackle Billy Turner. How important for you was it to have a lot of these guys that you have comfortability with, know the playbook, and, you know, have bring back the old friends? I mean, I think anytime you're trying to get an offensive system in and you're uh, working, uh, going through a game, I mean, there's so much adversity throughout a game, throughout an NFL season. Um, so many ups and downs. Uh, and I think anytime you have people you're familiar with around you, it, it makes things happen better, whether it's uh, more efficient, whether it's just the little details are ironed out and fixed up. Um, so it's just like myself being able to have Zach Azani here is huge. Uh, Todd Downing, a guy I've worked with, Ron Middleton, somebody that I've worked with. I mean, anytime you have guys like that, that just kind of know how you operate day in and day out, how you operate on game day, it helps you so much. And then it's the same way with players. Um, Aaron's thrown a lot of passes to a lot of guys. And I think that for him to have an opportunity to throw it to some people that he knows and is familiar with, they know how a route's going to be run or an adjustment might be made or a signal might come. Um, that's going to help. And it's going to be able to um, send uh, vibrations through the team that gets them on the same page faster too. Cause I can't be everywhere. Aaron can't be everywhere at the same time. So when you have like a guy like Billy in the, offensive line room. He can communicate certain aspects of how Aaron operates. When you're with Allen, Allen can do that in the wide receiver room. Uh, so I think that as much communication as you can get uh, is so critical for an offense to get rolling because um, it, it's it's not going to be clean right out the gate. There's a lot of people that haven't played football together, a lot of people that have never heard me call play before. And that's you can't just throw everybody in on a field and expect them to go, go be great. I mean, I, I remember our first year, even at, um, at Green Bay, our first year, the offense didn't look great to start. And then we got on a run around week eight. And that's when everybody kind of started sinking together. And we, we, we really started looking good on offense, I felt. And we made a run all the way to the championship that game. But um, there's always some time there. And I think that the more people that you have that are familiar – the that time can kind of go down a little bit. So to have somebody, a couple guys in the wide receiver room, a guy in the line room, a couple coaches that we know, it just brings everything together quicker. How do you handle blending kind of what Aaron wants, play calls, strategy-wise, that, that kind of thing, versus staying true to what you believe in your offense? Because we've seen this now become kind of a little more frequent in recent years of these veteran quarterbacks going somewhere. And Brady, right, it looked like Brady in the Bucks, like you kind of just said, Wait, your first year in Green Bay, the Bucks struggled for like half that year, and it seemed like it flipped. And I don't know what happened there, but a lot, there were a lot of stories where they kind of went more towards what Tom wanted. Now I know Aaron has familiarity with what you're doing, so it's a little different. But how do you how do you sort of balance tailoring the offense to Aaron Rodgers versus the Nathaniel Hackett offense? I would tell you this: my dad taught me a long time ago. He said the only thing that matters is the quarterback, what he's comfortable in. 
and then what those around him can do. And so that has been a philosophy of mine since I've started is you want to have a diverse enough offense to be able to move it around and adjust it for different players, because you don't want to force that, you know, round peg into the square hole. Uh, it's, it doesn't work like that. Now, over time, as you develop and teach guys, you can do more, you can do different things. Um, but I think that for me, it's number one, you have to make sure the quarterback is comfortable and he's comfortable with the players that he's playing with. So for me, we built a system and it happens to be the same system that Aaron has had in the past, which is great. And then it's, okay, here's all the stuff that we do. What do you feel comfortable throwing to these guys? How fast can we figure out what you're comfortable throwing to these guys? It might be different. I mean, there's certain things that we did with Devontae Adams. We might do different with Garrett Wilson. There's things, you know, we know what Allen can do. There's things we'll do with Allen that Aaron's comfortable with. We do that. So, and so you you want as many guys as possible that can do everything and can do all kinds of different stuff. But there's a process of that, and it starts with the quarterback, what he's comfortable with. And you never want to get overexcited. Oh, Aaron Rodgers can throw every single thing. Well, you know, there's some things he's done more than other things. So you kind of pick and choose those things. So I think it's a it's always a conversation. It's always, again, making sure that he's comfortable with it. And uh, it hits his head the best because if the quarterback doesn't feel comfortable about something, the play's dead the soon, as soon as you start calling it. It's that simple. And I think that the game plans look different for everybody. I mean, uh, calling plays for Blake Bortles is different than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, for all the guys I've called, Kyle Orton, all those guys, you want to do what they're going to be the most successful at and what they like the best um, because – Coaches, heck, we've all coached a lot of plays, and we look for a lot of different things. But in the end, you want what's successful, and usually that's what the quarterback's comfortable with. What do you take from your one year as a head coach into this new role? Anything you didn't know before that you're taking with you into this job? You know, they, that whole year was a was a wild tornado um, of just all kinds of crazy. Um, and I think, you know, I, I learned that for me as a coach, um, it is about making sure those guys are all comfortable. And I want to make sure that I'm always doing that and communicating that the right way. Um, Cause if they all feel good, if they're all in the right mindset. You're always going to have a chance. And um, looking back at it, you know, Hey, we had a chance in a lot of games last year. We didn't come through. There were a lot of close games, but I think that we continually try to do things that gave us that opportunity to win. And now we just got to get over that, that hump. And for me, it's it, that that's the mindset is, Hey, let's, we either got to be in these games or winning these games. Because if we do that, you know, we've got Aaron Rodgers, the two-minute drive, two-minute drill is going to be exciting because I know that's where he excels at a very high level. So I think for me, it's just, hey, keep, keep trucking, keep your head down, and uh, make sure you're communicating as much as you can with the players so they know you're doing the right stuff for them. Last one for me, Nathaniel. Um, we always hear now, oh, it's a passing league. It's a passing league, that kind of thing. But you with Jacksonville, you had a lot of success with Fournette, kind of the offense. They, they That was a great running team. You know, how, how do you feel right now in 2023, the balance is between, is it is it passing sets up the run, running sets up the pass? How do you kind of feel like the pass run split is now in the NFL in 2023 and for you philosophically? Uh, that's a great question. I, the truth is it changes every week. Uh, sometimes you go into a game and it's about matchups, right? It's it's where you think you can gain an advantage, where you can gain an angle in the run game, where you can gain an advantage on a matchup in the pass game. Um, everybody does things different. I think that's sometimes what people uh, from the naked eye don't understand at times is every week the game plan completely changes because you're facing completely different structures of defense, completely different uh, matchups at different positions. One week you might have a great 
a defensive lineman, another week, a great linebacker or a corner, or maybe they have, they're all great. So I think it's about doing what's right versus that defense at that time. I think you want to stay as balanced as you possibly can because you don't want uh, a team just to know what you're doing and then they can take away what you're really good at. So you want to be able to run the ball. You want to be able to throw the ball and you want to be able to take advantage of those matchups each week. So for us, it's just about whatever that specific matchup we want to attack and however we want to gain an angle, but we want to stay as balanced as we possibly can. Tell us about this offense, what you like. Obviously, we said the familiar faces, but Gary Wilson is looks like a future Hall of Famer. I mean, just in one year, he looks absolutely incredible. Brees Hall looks Jets great. Jets fans, Jets fans don't ever get carried away, Nathaniel. Can the guy play? Let's 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 let the guy play more than seventeen games. When we see good, we we embrace the good because we've had so much bad. So we love Garrett Wilson. We love what we've seen Brees Hall. You know, you got, you know, McCole Harmon, you add a little reverse element. Cos knows I love the re- reverse. I hope you draw, draw yeah, that up yeah, for me. Every if you want to be Jake, if you want to be on Jake's side, reverses, what, what's your other thing? Draws or screens? What, what do you, what, I love the screen. Love the screen. screen. Pass, That's pass, the pass. Madden in me. The screen is the Madden in me. But if you do a reverse, call it the Jake <laughs> Brown. It's fine. Call it the chicken parm. I'm a chicken parm guy. That's fine too. But talk about this offense and all the tools that you have. Cause, you know, when you look on the depth chart, you throw Corey Davis in there, the two tight ends. Uh, you got to kind of like be like just rubbing your hands together like Birdman and thinking, damn, let's have some fun. <laughs> you know, from a coach's, I I, I feel you. I, I love it. They're, they're all, they all had, did some great things the past, you know, the past year. And, and there's always going to be a lot of excitement from a coaching standpoint. Um, we're still just getting a feel for everybody, you know, working with all the guys, getting to know them, getting to understand them, finding out what they get, what they can do, uh, what we need to work on. I think those that's the important thing for me right now. Uh, I want to find out what those guys do good and how they mesh with Aaron. Like that's the most important thing. And, uh, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, uh, anything can happen. Um, you definitely want to highlight all those guys you mentioned. You know, I'm, I'm very excited to work with all of them. They seem like great guys. I'll tell you, that's one cool thing about this team, walking into the building, their ability to work, their hunger. Um, and, and it's great when you've got the young guys that are, that are just feasting for that knowledge. You know, they want, they want to know, Hey, how can I run it here? What can I do here? And some of the times you just got to be like, Hey, just go out and beat that guy. And, and Aaron will put it on. But I think that, that's the thing. You're right. There, there's a lot of great players here that we're very excited to work with uh, where they're going to go. I don't know. I'm still getting to know them all, and, but I'm excited to get to know them. What's your message here? Close out to Jets fans. You know, we, we are expecting a team that playoffs for sure, but finally we could utter Super Bowl and Jets in the same sentence. It'll be in Las Vegas. I'll be at the blackjack table Friday night, the game Sunday, hopefully seeing the Jets. But what's your message to Jets fans about this upcoming season? Whew. You know, there's so many things. You know, you you don't want to, as a coach, again, it's it's not that I want to overshoot it, undershoot it. I just, I'm excited. I mean, it's it's a great time right now to be in this building. I mean, you could feel it. I think that that's the cool thing. I mean, where it goes, um, nobody knows yet. The, this, the seasons are so long and so unique in, in how they all play out. Um, but to be able to work with all these guys, I mean, all the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the running backs, I'm just excited to be in this building with them. I'm excited to see you know what we can unlock, um, how far it can go with a guy like Aaron Rodgers because he's a, he's a special player and he's going to make people around him uh, even better. He makes me better. And I appreciate that about him. He pushes me. And I think that when you have that feel, that atmosphere, that excitement, that ability to work, that want to work, that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. And, and and I'm excited for that first game. I, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's there's definitely a lot of excitement, but um, it's a lot of guys that haven't worked together. So, so we gotta, we, we gotta work those kinks out first. 
We'll get to work. We are excited. I know Kaz is excited to write about a team that hopefully doesn't lose this year and is a winner. I'm excited as a fan to see a team possibly win. Good things, good vibes here in New York City. And I hope I see you on a Jumbotron with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, what's that all about? Lazard's there, all these other guys. Like, did you not get an invite courtside? What's going on? Hey, again, he, he gets to go have that fun. I I got to get all this offense tightened up. Grind. You got it right. I, I'm, I'm more excited about being on the Jumbotron event like than not those other ones right now. There he is. Nathaniel Hacking, get right to work, even in May. We love to see it. We're excited for the season. And thank you so much for coming on Gangs All Here. And uh, we'll have a glass of wine at some point soon. Yeah, I'm exhausted (laughs) from the last four months, honestly, but couldn't be more excited. Great interview there with Nathaniel Hackett. He just seems like a cool guy. A little surprised he's a wine guy. He's classy. I thought with the with his energy and attitude, he'd be a whiskey or a beer guy. But he's a wine guy, so I like that. I mean, hopefully a white wine guy. I can't do red wine. For some reason, it gives me headaches. So hopefully I can share a few glasses of Pinot Grigio with Nate Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett. And uh, interesting about the facial. I think in a, in a week or a couple weeks, that thing might be gone. On the, it's a soul patch, I guess, kind of on the on his chin going on right there. But a lot of good stuff. Interesting stuff on Rodgers, playbook, the offense, um, a lot of cool stuff. So we appreciate Nathaniel Hackett for coming on. Thanks to the New York Jets for making that happen. And that's it for episode 142, this special edition of Gangs All Here, a Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me in producing the show. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and follow Brian Costello at Brian Cods. That's it for us here. It's been a fun ride, but that is it. We've dropped our emergency episode. Now, after this, we are on hiatus, barring a major move, and there's probably nothing major left to do. There might be a minor signing here and there, but we'll be back likely in late August. I know the schedule's coming out this week, so excited to see what the schedule will look like. But otherwise, we are on a break, so we all hope you have an incredible summer. We will see you later in the summer on a new season of Gangs All Here. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.